What's good, y'all? This is your boy Justin, aka Just Blaze, host of Above the Rim. And if you want a raw take on the NBA, Above the Rim is a show for you. With dope beats and entertaining guests each week, we offer a great new insight on all things NBA. You don't want to miss it. Talk about it. You are now tuned in to Above the Rim. Family, family, welcome to my sanctuary. Appreciate you for tuning in to another episode of Above the Rim. Brought to you by yours truly, Justin, a.k.a. Just Blaze. My special guest this week, making a second appearance on Above the Rim. If you want to scroll back and listen to it, it's episode 20. All the way from Southern Cal, she's living in right now. Hosting and doing things on Afterbus TV and things like that. <laughs> My girl, Christina Lexus, thank you for joining me today. Appreciate What's you. Up? <laughs> <laughs> Damn, what an intro. Thank you for having me. Um, feels good to be back. It's It's been a minute. Episode 20, that's what? 20-some episodes ago? It's about time I came back. That's true. <laughs> so, <laughs> family, you can find Above the Rim on iTunes, Stitching, Google Play, and the Almighty Baller Network every Tuesday. Make sure you give Above the Rim that five-star review to get in contact with me or the show. You can follow me on Twitter at just blaze underscore 513 that's j-u-s-b-l-a-z-e underscore 513 ig is the same just blaze 513 use the hashtag x above the rim if you have any feedback for the show responses to the questions call up the line leave your boy a voicemail let me know what's on your mind that number is 908-718-1592 you got any responses to christine as well <laughs> you might say something that might ruffle your feathers you never know <laughs> Leave a voicemail on that as well. And uh, Christine, where can the people find you? The people can find me on Instagram and Twitter, all over social media. My handle is Christine Bean with three E's. <laughs> so you can find <laughs> That's kind of been my little saying as of late. If you can't find me, put another two E's in there. So Three um, E's. Three E's, <laughs> yes. Make sure you go find her. Look for the three E's. That's where you're going to find that. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. So family... This episode, we going over the All-Star Weekend reactions. We look ahead to the second half of the season. But before we do that, we got to talk about Black, Black Panther, Christine. What a oh movie. My. What a movie. What a movie. Shout out. So, we'll start off with you. Well, first of all, how many times have you seen it already? It's been out, what, three days now, a weekend now. How many times have you beasted on Black Panther? <laughs> All right, I'm gonna be honest. Be I've honest. seen it. I've seen it twice already. Okay. Would have been three times. <laughs> okay, but you know, had to handle some business. But I saw it twice, and I enjoyed it both times so so much. Yeah, it was it was a great movie. I only saw it once, but I'm gonna see it again this week. I'm gonna probably go after work one day because that's a movie that you have to see more than once. Without you have a doubt. to. Have you to. have to. There was so much dropped on us visually with the story, everything. You might not have caught everything the first time. Yeah. So definitely got to go back and see it and really just take it in because it's it's really nothing like anything I've ever seen, to be real. It was one of a kind. It was the, To me, it was like the best plots and the best subplots to me of any Marvel movie or superhero movie, I should say. To me, it was it was strong, independent characters and storylines from everyone. Basically, the acting was strong. It was passionate. It was great visuals, like you said. It was great action. And shout out to the cast for doing an amazing job. The whole cast. Ooh, absolutely, they they killed it. Michael B. as Michael B. Jordan as Killmonger. I mean, Michael I think B. He's, <laughs> he's my favorite villain right now. Like he is. He, every scene that he was in, he stole the show. Like he killed that. He did. So I'm glad you brought that up, right? Because. He was my favorite actor in that movie. To me, he he did the best job in the movie, playing Eric Killmonger in the role, the main villain to Black Panther. And I think he put a nice, like, modern-age spin on, like, the villain role. And low-key, on the lowest of keys, he outacted Chadwick in that movie, the Black Panther. It, it, am I wrong for saying Ooh. that? Am I wrong? Um, nah, you're not wrong. Think about but it. I, Think about it. <laughs> 
Nah, you're not wrong in that. They both killed it, but I they think there's a it, certain yes. there's a certain level of pressure. I think that comes with playing the hero and the protagonist. Yeah. There were so many like emotional things that True. he had to go through, that his character had to go through. Whereas True. Killmonger, he got the best lines, the like the funniest scenes. He really, I mean, not to discredit his acting, but I think they had different like things to work ah, with. Ah, so you think his role helped him out? I guess. Absolutely. Mm. It was suited for him. That's I think he point. just he killed it. That's a good point. Okay, so I'm, so you don't agree, but I'm not far fetched in saying that. No, you're, you're not wrong at all. Okay. You're not wrong at all. <laughs> okay. Um, Denai also did a great job as well. Denai and Lupita. I, the yes. women played an important role in this movie. I was in the theater. Uh, a lot of the ladies were clapping in the theater. A lot. You know what part they probably were clapping at? Because I know when I saw it both <laughs> times, when Denai, who plays Okoye, when they were in the fight scene in South Korea, and she took off her wig and oh. threw it at the dude <laughs> before she gave him a quick two-piece. Yep. Like, I, I know every girl was like, yes, They did. Yes. They, they showed it. And also, um, at the end as well, when, I'm forgetting his character, but the guy, his name from, the guy from Get Out, excuse me, when he had to Daniel kneel. Daniel Kalua. Daniel Kalua, yeah. When he had to kneel when they lost the battle, that's basically yes. the Civil War, and he had to kneel in front of her, ladies were I, clapping at that. I felt that. Like, <laughs> she she straight up told him for Wakanda, like, he of did. course I would kill you. And he just took one look at her and bowed down, like, oof. Yeah, they, they did. They did a great job. And quickly before we move on, a couple of quick points. I love how they made um, the the amazing director Ryan Coogler, a young black man. Shout out to him. Um, I love how he made that parallel between Wakanda and Oakland, California. Made that yes. connection in the beginning and at the end as well. And how it was a, a African nation looking to uplift. So I love that part about the movie. I love that he brought it back into our world, so we can feel a connection that way to it. So I think that was big time. That was beautifully done. I think it yeah. really tied the story all together. Yeah. And it was it, it, it was actually really important to the story because it helped us understand where Killmonger's hate and anger started from yeah. and really set up the story. And really quick, sorry to anybody who's listening who hasn't seen it yet. We've just, yeah, spoiled, we just spoiled so much right. for you. <laughs> so Boy, if you, you should have seen it by now. You should have saw it. I gave him enough days. That's enough. We, we gave you time. <laughs> exactly. If you haven't seen it, you know, sorry, but it was dope. And I think we I think we covered it. Sure did. Make sure you go out and go check that out. That movie was empowering, man. So everyone should go see that movie. Everybody. Yes. Everybody, not if, it, and not just for black people. Like it's yeah. a celebration of our culture, but I think it's a really important, timely film for yes. everybody to go see. Hundred percent agree. I couldn't have said that any better. Hundred percent agree. So this weekend, no basketball, no real basketball, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> but we did get All Star Weekend, of course, out there in LA. As I mentioned before, my girl Christina's out there selling Southern Cal, living a good life up there with that good weather. <laughs> <laughs> so she was out there and got a bird's eye view of All-Star Weekend out there in L.A. So we most definitely going to get into our impressions and our takeaways from the weekend. So, Christina, I'll start off with you and we'll go back and forth. Give me your first or one of your impressions or takeaways from All-Star Weekend. All-Star Weekend was lit. I'm going to be honest with you. Okay. As, as someone who's living in L.A. right now, yeah. disclaimer, I'm actually from Brooklyn, New York, for all the listeners, just so y'all know. Tell but <laughs> right now, I'm living here in L.A., and it was really nice to see so many people out. Like, everywhere you went, there was a pop-up or some sort of event, and it was just nice. It was good for the city. It felt like a lot was going down. The traffic sucked. Oh, but yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I, it feels so. It felt so good to walk outside my house today and not hit traffic to go to the grocery store. You know. Yeah. So, but other, it, it was it was lit. It was a good time. A lot of you know celebrities and cool faces out. It, it was it was good. It was good energy. Did it feel like it was a lot more people than normal? Or I mean, it was, it's L. A. So it's a lot of people regardless. But did it feel like yeah. any more or not really? It felt like a lot more for the simple fact that more people were outside. L.A. is such a spread out city yeah. and a lot of people live here, but people are in their cars. But for the weekend, there were so many pop ups that literally took over intersections like ah. in downtown. 
on uh, Pico and Figueroa. I went to the Mountain Dew Kickstart Studios pop up and they, you know, they built a court outside. It kind of took over the street. So it just, there was a lot of people out. Yeah. I, I agree. So I, I know, I know it had to be somewhat electric, but I don't mean to rain on the parade a little bit right now. <laughs> but what a cloud's that. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not going to lie. All-Star Weekend to me, I feel like the past couple of years, I would say not only this year, but it just doesn't have that same sting right now to me. Like, events-wise. Like, I feel like everything outside the All-Star Game is becoming better than the actual events of All-Star Weekend itself. What do you think about that? You mean, like, the stuff for the fans versus, like, the televised events? No, like, everything else going outside going outside the actual gameplay. Like, the parties, the, the, right. the, 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 uh, the meetups, the... The little uh, pop-up shops you were talking about. Things like that. Other things that are going on in the city because of All-Star Weekend to create the buzz is a little bit better sometimes than the actual events. The Saturday night events. The Rising Stars Challenge. Things like that. Yeah. To me as a um, whole. Mm-hmm. I would agree with you there. Only because, I mean, for the last few years, the televised events haven't been to the standard that people want to see. But I will say this year made a good... I think made a good effort in getting back to what people want to see. Yeah. Um, and I think it also has to do with the city. Like when the all-star game is in Toronto, I'm sure Toronto, you know, it's a great city. Yeah. They have a lot going on. And this year it was in LA and LA is bougie as hell. You know, we love any <laughs> opportunity to Instagram or do something fun and immersive. So I think it was just the perfect city for something like this. And I think that's what really made everything else outside of the televised events stand out. That's true. I, I agree. That was, that was some great points. I agree. So um, I want to get into some also impressions that we have from the weekend. And one of my takeaways that I took out of All-Star Weekend is that LeBron is still the king. Mm. I'm not going to lie. He, he, he's still the king of this league right now. I feel like he low-key ran All-Star Weekend. He had a lot of the drama coming in of course the controversy all the with headlines team, all the headlines with the with the yep. ingram uh with those comments his stuff with carrie champion and kd speaking mm-hmm. out on trump and of course not too far removed from the trade deadline we're only a week since then all the big trades that they've gotten and i noticed how the players kind of deferred to him a little bit this weekend if you watch a little closely especially in the all-star game itself I noticed they gave him a ball. He, uh, they gave him the ball. Excuse me, a lot. He controlled the offense a lot. He was the captain, as we know him and Steph Curry. He had the game-winning bucket. Mm. He, he looked like he cared somewhat <laughs> this weekend and at the end of the game as well. He was playing a little bit of defense. He had a couple of defensive possessions, and he did, as we know, win MVP. And I feel like he low-key ran All-Star Weekend. The king. The king. I would agree with you there, Justin, for real, because you you said all everything I was thinking <laughs> from the from the headlines to the actual game, um, even just the way he carried himself. He yeah. definitely gave off that vibe that he knew he was the shit. And, <laughs> exactly. You, know, <laughs> you said it. Part perfectly. of my French. You're like, right. He he really did, and you know you know I'm a big Warriors Steph Curry fan but yeah. I'm also a fan of, of LeBron and <laughs> who he is as a player for sure and yeah. especially I, I became I, my level of respect for him grew even more from how he handled um, the situation following his interview with KD you know he I, I think he really did show up and show out because he had something to prove and at the same time let's not forget all of the trade rumors surrounding him right now that yeah. LA could be his future home. I think exactly. low key he wanted to give the the LA crowd something to look forward to. He sure did. On the lowest of keys, he ran All-Star weekend. <laughs> <laughs> it was a high key, I think. <laughs> it was a high key. <laughs> high key. <laughs> You're right. Uh so let me get one of your <laughs> other takeaways from All-Star weekend. Um I think that all-Star Weekend should really, I don't know. I mean, there was parts of it that I thought should have been televised, like the draft, like mm-hmm. even if going into it to begin with. Um, but other than that, I really didn't have problems with it. I thought it was good. Mm-hmm. The televised events, you know, we'll get into that later. Our thoughts on each matchup. But yeah. 
I had a good time. I personally just enjoyed it because it was here. Um, and I, I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to think with what ways they can improve it going into next year. Do you have any thoughts on that? <sighs> I mean, I don't have any distinct thoughts of how they can improve it. Because to me, I wanted them, the All-Star game itself, to be played for something. And when I say something, I mean like... Um, to me, what I wanted to do was have play East versus West, same way they had it before. But the winner of the game, the conference, gets home court advantage in the finals, regardless of record, when they both get there. So to me, it's something that they're actually playing for, and both conferences want to win. If you have championship aspirations, you want that home court advantage for the conference. So that's interesting. Yeah, so that's something that I thought of. But a lot of people shot that down when I told, but they said, nah, that's too much. That's too important to play for. But to me, you have to play for something important. Money's not enough. Money's nothing to these dudes. Money's nothing. <laughs> that's, that's you not got enough. that right. Exactly. Um, also, All-Star Saturday night, we got to talk about Fergie real quick. Her, oh, uh, my. <laughs> there was a <laughs> lot of talk on Fergie on how terrible her uh, national anthem was. I, I don't know what that was. I don't know what that was. It was atrocious. It was terrible. It was a major fail. They had Draymond laughing on the camera (laughs) at her uh, terrible singing. And to me, the whole opening of Saturday Night as a whole was corny. Also, uh, with the Fergie stuff, they had that that little musical that they had with Queen Latifah, uh, Kevin Hart, and that that other white dude that I don't even know who that is. I just seen his face. That other musical was terrible. Um, it was just a waste of time. The entire Fergie plus that as an opening was just terrible. So that was a fail to me. What do you think about that? Oh, I gotta agree with you there. Fergie sounded awful. 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 She I tried mean, to put her little spin on it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not for nothing. It's not like the Star Spangled Banner is everyone's favorite song right now, considering yeah. the, the political climate. But like, if you're gonna just sing it, just sing it. We can move on from it and get on to the rest of the night. But she dragged it and <laughs> I, I don't know was she in a blues club was this her rendition of like this this weird version that just didn't it was just unnecessary and she really brought it on herself she sure I did. saw that she responded on social media saying that she tried her very best like she honestly thought she gave it her best effort which wow. makes me laugh even more yeah she, um, she needed some work she needed some work, but I, I agree with you that all the other opening festivities were just a bit much for me. I think at that point, people were just ready to get to the basketball. Yeah. Like, they dragged it a bit too much. Exactly. 100% agree. Also, uh, a side note, Migos put a nice halftime show on, and Pharrell as well. And shout out to his dancer. Yes. Shout out to her. It. She killed the entire halftime show. She stole the show. Yeah, she she's dope. I, yeah. I'm blanking on her name at the moment. But I know, she's I forgot a, her name. <laughs> she's been on social media too, but she she killed that. I, I enjoyed that. And, you know, LA has a lot of love for Migo, so it was like, good to see them too. Exactly. And, and shout out to Quavo too for winning All-Star Game, uh, Celebrity Game, excuse me, MVP. Yes. He balled out. <laughs> My man Quavo balled out. He had 19 and won the MVP. Showed he what, had some what? game. What can't Quavo do at this point? Exactly. Like, he's my favorite Migo, so... Oh, mine too. That's the Honcho. Come on. Hey. <laughs> That's the Honcho. And uh, really quick, before we get into the events, um, love must have been in the air in L.A. this weekend. I mean, a lot of dudes, a lot of people kissed and made up this weekend. KD and Russ, you saw, were talking and laughing. I don't know if you saw those pictures, Christine. I did. Yeah. Um, LeBron and Kyrie also on the bench cracking jokes, telling secrets, having story time on the bench during the <laughs> game. I'm disappointed in LeBron, man. I'm not going to lie. I'm disappointed, man. I need I need him to be angry and upset that, Ky- that Kyrie wanted out. Be angry. Create some type of rivalry right there. You should be upset that he wanted to leave you. Is yeah, that- but we, we I, I get that. But, you know, I think LeBron's head was not there this weekend. I don't think he was paying attention to that at oh, all. Oh, okay. All right. So you think it was everything was bigger than that, you're trying to say? Just at least for this weekend. Like, LeBron, don't forget, he, like, he plays the game really well with the media. Like, I think he was focused on having a good time. Mm-hmm. And, like I said, showing up and showing out. True. The whole situation with Kyrie, I think, will play itself out. I think, I think all the players... Yeah. Had that mentality, honestly. Like you said, KD and Russ, everybody was laughing, having a good time while still being competitive. So yeah. 
that's true. That's that's my take. That's true. I but agree. it was nice to see. I agree with you on that. Yeah, that, that that's what I'm saying. It was it was definitely some love in the air. They were feeling good this weekend. Everybody was everybody was feeling a little good, a lot relaxed. It was a lot more chatter than normal between the players. I noticed, so that was a good thing, I guess. And uh, <laughs> moving on to the Saturday night events, uh, I was correct on one out of three of my picks. <laughs> Um, we actually both were correct on the first one, uh, the, skill, we were. the skills challenge. I mean, I know you stole my answer and picked Spencer Dinwiddie from the Nets. To wow. Win, <laughs> to win the skills competition. But you had a nice pick. Shout out to you. I did have a good pick. And to all the listeners, just know I did not steal <laughs> your host's pick. I picked that on my own and we were both right. <laughs> we were. We were. My man, Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh, from the Brooklyn Nets, he did win the skills competition. I, I liked the competition. It was pretty good. It was real competitive. It was decent. Mm, that one really didn't do much for me. I it just thought it much. was funny yeah. how mm-hmm. Joel and B tried to cheat and they caught that oh, on the yes. replay. <laughs> <laughs> that was a fail for Embiid. He really did try to cheat. <laughs> I forgot about a, that. He was a good sport, though, because he, he retweeted, I think, the Bleacher Report saying, you know, calling him out, saying it's not cheating. He was just trying to be smart, you yeah. know, and get ahead, which I thought was funny. Exactly, exactly. And um, the three-point contest, my man Devin Booker won. He, I think he set a record, I believe, with 28 points in a three-point shootout win. I was wrong on that. I had Eric Gordon from the Rockets being a two-time champ. But Devin Booker, he showed out. He showed out. So who did you have in the three-point contest? Well, I know. You know, <laughs> but for the people listening, I had my boy Clay Thompson yep. from the Golden State Warriors. I thought that he would win it. Um, he came up short with only 25 in the second round. Um, and Devin Booker finished with 28. But I agree with you. He put on a show. Like, he had the hot hand. He was definitely more consistent than Clay. Clay had to catch up on his last rack and it wasn't enough. So, But, but it was a good, it was a pretty decent competition towards the end. They had a couple of duds. Paul George was terrible. Oh, oh, Kyle Lowry was terrible. There was a couple guys in there who had no business in there. They Bradley Beal also. Bricks. Just straight up bricks. Why? Come Paul George was the worst in that one. The worst. I was disappointed in PG. <laughs> I definitely was. Um, slam dunk cont- contest as well. Donovan Mitchell from the Utah Jazz took that home. My pick for the dunk contest was Dennis Smith Jr. I still think he should have won it. He had the best dunk in the dunk contest. Of the weekend, that reverse 360 through the legs. Mm. That was big time. That was a special dunk. And uh, Mitchell, Larry Nance was very good as well. They all had some great dunks, all in all. But to me, it was the showmanship I felt like was lacking. That was my takeaway from the dunk contest. The shows, the showmanship could have been a little bit better. I mean, they tried a little bit. I forgot who did it, but I think it was Oladipo did the Black Panther mask. He went there, took the Black Panther mask, did all that. Larry Nance putting on his pops jersey. Larry Nance Sr. did a uh, dunk for him, but it just didn't move me. I'm going to be honest. It didn't move me. I wasn't, I was trying to get hype for the dunk contest, but to me, it was overall kind of weak for me. Mm. What are your thoughts? Well, first off, my pick one, I had Donovan Mitchell. Mm. Oh, that's true. You're right. Two for three. I did win. (laughs) Two for three. So I think I I won this episode of Above the Rim. You did. You did. You feel me? Just let him know. Let him know. (laughs) Um, But I agree with you, though, that Dennis Smith Jr.'s reverse 360 through the legs dunk, like, that got me out of my seat going, whoa. Like, that woke me up. Definitely deserving of a 50. Side note, I'm not sure who thought Mark Wahlberg and DJ Khaled were qualified (laughs) to be judging anything. Like, they actually ruined it for me because they they didn't know what they were doing, honestly. Terrible, terrible judging on that. But I, I will give Victor Oladipo credit for going with the Black Panther. You like route. that? You like that? I liked. Well, I would have <laughs> liked it if he had got it on the first try. That, that was that was my. To me, the dunk wasn't all. The dunk wasn't all that, and he didn't make it on the first try. Yeah, like he the the mass would have helped an eye dunk be something cool had yeah. he got it. Yeah. Feel me? And I mean, it was cool that the cast was courtside. Like that brought a nice element to it True. because. It was a big weekend for them as well as for basketball. So cool little crossover there. But yeah, he he didn't he didn't execute. So he did. That, that was my me. issue with it. I like the idea of it. Of course, I would never say no to the Black Panther. But I, 
Yeah. It was, I, he didn't do it justice. He didn't do it justice. <laughs> they should have had Chadwick go up there and, and yeah. put, up, put up something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do something like that for real, man. So, um, yeah, so like Christine said, she did get two out of three. They got to give us some love on that. Give you some love. And yes. uh, the All-Star game, before we move on, was rather interesting. I would give it some love. It was much better this year as in past years. They did play some defense, as I alluded to before. But my takeaway from the All-Star game, what's up with your boy Steph? He didn't care this All-Star game at all. Eating popcorn oh. and shit like that on the sidelines. He was a bad captain. He was a bad captain. Damn. I got to bring him up. Eating popcorn, though. Did he really care? Think um, about it. He, you LeBron know, was playing was... defense. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to give you that. Yeah. I don't think Steph's head was fully in the game. I it, you know, he had a busy week leading up to it. Not to not to put too many excuses out there. Oh, come on. You know, <laughs> but... <laughs> Nah, 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 nah. I'm going to give you that, actually. <laughs> Team LeBron, LeBron specifically, everybody on that end had a lot more intensity in the game. He did. And, yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to give you that one. Yeah. So, did you... It was... Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say, though, it was more competitive. I enjoyed watching it. To me, the best part was, like, the last minute and 20 seconds yeah. of the game. Yep. And that last play specifically, I just thought it was great that it was... Katie and LeBron double teaming Steph, so he couldn't get the last shot off. And, you know, anybody who's like a basketball, you know, fanatic who reads into storylines could kind of have some fun with that. Yeah, that that was good to see. I like that. I mean, I mean, I just hated that LeBron and Katie was on the same team. I'm not gonna lie, I wasn't really a big I fan know, of that. I, I, I wasn't know. crazy about that. It was I bothering me. It was bothering me. It, it bothered him too, low key. Yeah. If, if you guys watch Warriors games, uh, the last home game that they had before the All Star break, you know they were recognizing the four All Stars, and Katie put up his like Team LeBron jersey for like two seconds, walked Damn. off like the tight. like he, <laughs> he he's not with his teammates. <laughs> oh man, That's so disrespectful. I ain't mad at him on that one. I mean, I, I wish they were on other sides, but hey, what can I say? What can you say? I mean, all in all, I guess the All-Star game was all right. But I really don't care, to be honest with you. All-Star weekend, I've always felt like it's been on the downtrend the last couple of years. But the All-Star game has gotten better this year. I feel like that's safe to say, right? It did. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Before we move on, any more points to make on All-Star weekend? Mm, I guess I was going to ask how you felt about the Team LeBron, Team Steph, and having... It stay that way going into next oh, year. The, I know oh, the you, format. you mentioned, yeah, I know you mentioned your other theory about you know keeping it east west and doing yeah. it a different way. But do you think switching it up this year actually helped it? Because I think a lot of people were actually feeling it. Yeah, I, I was feeling that. That part I was feeling. I definitely was. I didn't like how you said before um, the draft wasn't televised. I hated that part. I wish they did it more like a schoolyard kind of thing where you got the captains, uh, let the fans vote for the two captains. And then right before the game, they do a playground style, choosing your team right before tip-off. Like that. Like, that's what I would like. And then everyone's watching it. Everyone is there. Like, that's what you're doing when you go to the playground. When you're in the courts, when you're in the park, you choose your teams right in front of everyone. Whoever's the last pick, everyone knows, and that's just what it is. is, We men out here. There's no no time for feelings. There's men out here. Play ball. (laughs) If you're mad they chose you last, show them why they made the mistake and why they chose you last. So... This format, I do like. I think it did help the All-Star game overall as a whole. Um, but I don't know. I, I still wasn't as interested as I should have been. So I guess maybe that was it. Because I don't trust that they're playing for real. Because to me, they still wasn't playing fully for real. So that's why I just don't care for the All-Star game that much. But I like the format. It's a nice change. I'm not mad at it. Are you cool with it? Yeah, I'm cool with it. Actually, yeah. I think that's that's a better way for the fans to get involved yeah i think it helped make it slightly more interesting yeah Yeah, i mean what i really liked was that you could draft your team across conferences like even if you just you know have people vote on the captain but you still got to pick from one conference i thought it was cool that they they let it cross like that exactly 100 percent agree i agree uh so yeah so that was a recap of all-star weekend 2018 out there in in the books it's in the books (laughs) <laughs> so, with that being said, you know, this is the most important time of the NBA right now, right after All-Star break. And we're going to be talking about the second half of the season, what we're both looking forward to. 
And I think it's going to be a very interesting second half of the season. So I'll start off first with the thing I'm looking forward to most in the second half of the season with the second half surge. And I'm looking forward to the race for the number one seed and home court advantage in the NBA and the entire playoffs. So that number one seed race is, as we know, the Golden State Warriors and the Houston Rockets with my man CP3. And I'm looking forward <laughs> to the Rockets making that second half surge this week. Right now, going into the All-Star break, they were first in the West. Right now, 44-13. and 13. They just passed Christine's Warriors for the number one seed. Never giving it up for the rest of the season. Oh, oh, don't get too uh, mad at yourself. (laughs) But I do, I'm very interested in seeing the battle for that number one spot. And I know for sure the Rockets want it. And I think Golden State wants it as well. And honestly, to me, during each one of their championship runs, the Golden State Warriors have had home court advantage throughout the playoffs. So people can downplay the importance all they want of home court advantage. But it's still important. And going back to the Rockets, it's important for them as well. They're hungry this year. They got some fighters on their team. They got some dogs on that squad. And to me, they're ready to compete at a high level this year. Everyone knows I've been on the Rockets train this year. CP3's maturity and his persona, I feel like it's rubbed off on this team this year. And you know I watch every single game of theirs. And I've noticed a couple of things when looking at those Rockets. So I wanted to go over that real quick, Christine. I noticed... uh, as we all know, James Harden, we know, is their best player. But CP3 is their unquestioned leader on and off the floor. And mm. I see why they came together as partners, as superstars pairing together. They, To me, they complement each other extremely well. CP3 is all about business and can be a nuisance at times, we know, which can take away from the joy and the fun aspect of basketball. And to me, that's where Harden comes into play. So we all know Harden's all about the fun. As much talent as he has, we all know he has those playoff meltdowns, and he doesn't seem to be as focused as he should be at times. We all know about his playoff meltdown last year against the Spurs when he was a no-show in Game 6, when he played yeah. in the finals also against the excuse me, the Miami Heat and LeBron's first title. He was a no-show in those finals, so he does have a bad rap in the playoffs, and I 100% agree with that. So to me, that's where CP3 comes in, keeps Harden with his keeps Harden thinking, eyes on the prize. And also, not to mention, these Rockets right now have literally the number one offense of all time, if you looked at the numbers. I don't know if you saw that stat out there, Christine, but they rank number one in offensive efficiency in the history of the NBA, plus them being 28-1 right now when all three, Harden, Chris Paul, and Clint Capello play together, they're 28-1. First in offense in the league right now, eighth in defense in the league. Golden State is second in offense in the league and ninth in defense in the league. So they're still neck and neck. So that to me is the most compelling second half storyline to me. And those are just stats that you just can't ignore. And people better stop sleeping on them Rockets, man. They're a legitimate threat. I've been saying see you in June all year since preseason and I'm sticking to it. See you in June. Oh, well, okay then. You know what? I'm glad you said that because I know we actually went at each other on Twitter talking about see you in May, see you in June. And I'm going to have to agree with you. To me, that's the storyline that I'm looking forward to the most in the second half of this season for a lot of the reasons that you said. First and foremost, being that I'm a Warriors fan and my Warriors as of late haven't been to me as someone who watches them and studies them. They haven't put on the kind of performances that I know that they're capable of losing to a lot of really good teams this year on nights that you would expect them to to show up and show out, you know, because they, they are the reigning champions. And I know that they take their foot off the gas pedal from time to time, but with matchups against the Thunder and the Rockets, like they need to, to show us why they're the best and why everybody is trying to beat them, at least in my opinion. So, you know, the Rockets... All the stats you said, they, they've they had two plus, two 10-plus game-winning streaks this season. Yeah, I mean, and have they one got, leading into the All-Star break. They have one leading into the All-Star break. They have James Harden, who's absolutely an MVP frontrunner, in my opinion, this year. Yep. Um, so Thank you they, for saying that, by the way. Appreciate I, that. I, I, gotta, I gotta put that out there. It's, <laughs> it's the truth. It's the truth. His numbers don't lie. And, you know, CP3, what is he averaging right now? 19, 8, and 5? Yep. 
you know, and I think both of those guys definitely have a chip on their shoulder in terms of playoff performance because it's not like CP3 is somebody who's made it very far in the, the postseason here. So second I think round they both, exits. We know, we know. Second, second round. <laughs> just making sure you you know your man. I didn't forget. They both, you know, disappear or there's some sort of issue with yeah. them. So I think those two guys, you know, teaming up with Clint Capella, I think they all want to make a statement this year. Uh-huh. And they're hungry. That's, they're hungry. They're hungry in a way that the Warriors are not right now. And that's not to say that things can't change or there's going to be a, a new source of motivation for them down the stretch. Yeah. But I know that the Rockets are a team that we need to really... You need to pay attention to them. You need you need we, to be we, getting we need a little bit nervous. You need to be getting a little bit nervous right now. Well, you should have been nervous, I should say. We've been on notice. We beat y'all two out of three this year in big, the three big. matchups the Warriors and the Rockets had. Rockets did win two. And um, I'm glad that you brought up that point because I do agree with you. With Golden State, to me, you know, I do hate on them a lot. I do. But objectively speaking, they... They look like their belly is full this year for some reason. Their belly is full this year, and they look a tad bit lackadaisical, I've noticed, with them this year. They haven't been taking a regular season as serious, which is understandable because they have made three straight finals. Um, and that does take a toll on you, playing over 100 games during the, 80, uh, during the regular season and the playoffs yeah. and all that. So that does take a toll on you. Going to all the extra appearances, the extra media uh, media things they have to go through. I do agree. It does take a toll on you. But with that talent that they do have, they still are second best record in the league with all that being said. so mm-hmm. And they do have another gear, which I always give them credit for. The Golden State Warriors are one of the very few teams that have that second gear, that switch that they can turn off during playoff time. And they have an unstoppable force in KD that can't be guarded. So... With all that being said, they are still the favorites and they are still the front runners. But I think they are a little bit vulnerable this year. And I think my Rockets can take them down in the seven-game series in the Western Conference Finals. Ooh, that's where I'm going to have to stop you real quick <laughs> because I do not think that okay. will be the case. I think in a seven-game series, the series, the Warriors will defeat the Houston Rockets. And okay. I'm praying to that's the basketball guys. That's a safe guys. choice. That's a safe choice. <laughs> Well, I, I hope that's the matchup that we get, which I, I'm pretty sure that we are with the way that the standings are right now. Yep. Um, but going back to a point that you made earlier, you know, the Warriors do have a, a second gear that they can get into. They do. And I, and I think what they need, like I was saying, is a spark. And I think it's based off of one of the things that you said, which is fighting for that home court advantage. Because just because they've had it this whole time does or the last few seasons doesn't mean that it, it won't make an impact if they don't. And I yeah. think maybe being hungry enough to chase that might give them some sort of... Warriors have, have the best home court in the league. Best home court. I mean, That's why it's important. Yeah, you don't want to come back to Oracle for a Game 7. Like, you're you're not going to make it out of there. Exactly. That's a death wish. I would never want to play it in a game. The only people who made <laughs> it out there, we know who that is. LeBron. LeBron James. The only man that has done it. <laughs> so, <laughs> that was uh, pretty interesting. So, I'm glad that we're both interested in that because that's definitely, I feel like, the main storyline of the second half of the season. Who's going to get that number one seed in the NBA? And um, also, I wanted to talk about a team that we're concerned about and a team that will surprise us in the second half of the season. So I'll start off here. So a team to me that I think will surprise in the second half of the season is the Detroit Pistons. I think... Mm. I think Detroit, with the addition of Blake Griffin, will make a decent second-half splash in the second half of the season. They're 28 and 29 right now, ninth place in the East, on the cusp of the playoff race. And I see them playing some good ball in the second half, man, with Blake Griffin and, and the big boy drumming out there. I think they are forced in the Eastern Conference with those big boys and Reggie Jackson coming back and uh, Stanley Johnson getting a little bit better. I see them making a little bit of noise. I don't know how much noise, but I think there'll be a tough out in the first round, and depending on their matchup, they could definitely take Boston to seven games and possibly take them, excuse me, take them out because what they do, what their strength of the Detroit Pistons is inside interior presence and rebounding and blocking shots, and that's the Boston Celtics' weakness right there. So to me, if they did play them, they would have a nice series, but I see Detroit making a nice second-half splash and getting in in the playoffs. 
So a surprise team for you, Christine. Oh, you know, it's funny because my first choice was going to be the Pistons. Oh, because of okay. the, because of the addition of Blake Griffin, but I actually went with the Heat just for the simple fact that they're ahead of them right now mm-hmm. in that eighth seed in the Eastern Conference. And I think with Wade going back to Miami, I feel like they could definitely make some noise and keep the Pistons from getting into the the playoffs. That's going to be a big battle right there. The battle for the seventh. 7th, 8th, and ninth to me. Ninth I think seat. I tied right now. It's 76ers, Miami, and they, Detroit, right? Yeah. The yeah. 76ers right now are there at, uh, at the 7th, the and seventh, the Heat, yeah. Heat is at 8, and the Pistons are at 9. Yeah. So... They're only two game. The Heat and the Pistons are only two games apart. Mm, so you feel like the addition of Dwayne Wade makes a difference for the Heat going forward? I think it's good for him to be back in the city, and I think it'll give them a nah, little for bit the of a boost. team. <laughs> for the team. Yeah. Well, yes. Sorry, the team. That's yeah. what I was referring to. No, I'm saying it's good for... I, I was making a joke because we know it's good for Miami. Nostalgia <laughs> purposes. That's <laughs> no. the only thing he's good for right now. And leadership right now. But do you think it will make a difference on the court? I think... One thing I would say, I think it might give the young guys a little bit more confidence. They may be the only thing I would say. With D-Wade there, egging you on, I guess, a future Hall of Famer pushing you. I guess it will make them feel a lot better. To me. Yeah. I, I don't think D-Wade helps as much on the court as one may think. So, I still have Detroit making it over the heat in the playoffs. I want Detroit and I want Philadelphia in those 7th and 8th spots. That's what I want. So, if Detroit gets in at the 8th spot... Right, right now, if we're going based off of where everybody's at right now, with the Raptors having the number one yeah. record, if we saw that matchup, who do you think would make it out of it? Like, it's it's funny because I'm looking through where we're at right now. I don't think we're gonna be in these standings towards the end of the season. Yeah, I know it, it could definitely could flip flop. Definitely, it could. definitely can. I mean, and with that matchup that you were talking about, the Raptors would probably win that matchup because. They are the better team. They are a number one seed. I'll give them that much that respect. But I still don't trust the Raptors. Everyone knows how I feel about the Raptors. I never trusted them, and I never will. They got to show me something. Kyle Lowry <laughs> decompresses every playoff, so I can't trust them. But against the Pistons, they can beat them, but they will have their hands full. I think that will definitely go six, maybe seven, but definitely six. Yeah. But I see the Raptors still coming out of that series. It'll be tough. I agree with you there. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so uh, one team that I want to talk about really quick that I'm concerned about going into the second half of the season is the Boston Celtics. Mm. I'm, I'm concerned with them. So I talked about Detroit earlier and how I feel like they matched up well with, with uh, Boston. And that brought me to this point here. And let me say this. I've never really believed in the Celtics this year like the rest of the world has. Kyrie, I know, is a great player. Don't get me wrong. But to me, they don't have the offense to compete for a championship right now in the playoffs. They can compete in the East, but definitely, to me, they can't compete in the West as far as their offense. And after Kyrie, to me, they don't have a bona fide secondary scorer. And in the playoffs, teams got to make adjustments. And what can they do to adjust when they slow down Kyrie a little bit? You never know who did what defender the other team has. And you can't stop Kyrie. We know that. But you can make him, you can make him make some tough shots. Kyrie can score 50 and Boston can still lose. So that tells me you don't have a efficient enough secondary scorer. And what can they do to adjust? A system. They have a system offense with Brad Stevens in there. And that can't save you in the playoffs when it comes down to it comes down to talent and effort in the playoffs. They almost lost last year in the first round to the to the Chicago Bulls in the first round. Mm-hmm. They lost the first two at home. And to me, I just think they're going to get exposed this playoffs on the boards like they always do, especially how they did last year. Robin Lopez dominated them. This year, they didn't get better in their weakness, which was last year. Their front court is still Horford. You got Aaron Baines. You got Greg Monroe. You got Marcus Morris. That's not a formidable front court to me. That's not intimidating at all. And right now, they're bottom five or bottom ten, I believe. In um in the league in offense, they're number one in defense and number two in defense, but they're bottom five or ten in offense, which tells me a lot. And they still have uh-huh. the same problem as last year, which is rebounding. So I think all of that to me equals exposure. And if they can say if they stay the two seed that they are right now, and you know who's the third seed, the 
Cavs are the third seed, meaning that they will play them in the second round. Right. If they play them in the second round, it's a wrap for those Celtics. They're getting a gentleman's sweep in five. I, I, you've been pushing that one for the last few episodes of I the Above the Rim. I have. I, I remember that. <laughs> I have. Um, I don't. I don't think Boston is cracked up to be what people are thinking they are right now. So, do you have a lot of faith in Boston? You know, I do. I do have faith okay. in them. For some reason, I really think Kyrie's sheer will to make it is going to take them pretty far. They do have a lot of lapses in their roster, like you said, but. I don't know. I think they're going to give us a, a, a fun run, and I'm kind of excited to see it. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see the matchup. I'll tell you that. I love Jalen Brown. I love Jason Tatum. Those are some nice studs. I love Marcus Smart as well. Mm-hmm. They got some great pieces, but to me, that's about it. And I love Terry Rozier as well. He's a nice backup point. But other than that, they don't have enough. Aaron Baines is not cutting it. Al Horford is 13 points and 7 rebounds ain't cutting it. Greg Al Horford. Greg Monroe is not cutting slow foot. Greg Monroe, I'm just not feeling that front court. They're gonna get dominated. And um, Christine, so do you have a team that you're concerned about for the second half of the season? A team that I'm concerned about is actually the San Antonio Spurs. Mm, good because choice. even though they are third right now in the Western Conference, their record is 35 and 24. They're still many, many games behind the Warriors and the Rockets who are at 44 right now. Yeah. Um, they, to me, you know, between their, the strained relationship with Kawhi Leonard and the injuries that they're battling and just, you know, what LaMarcus Aldridge is putting up right now, I just don't think that they have enough to, to honestly stay in that position. I know not to count out Greg Popovich and the Spurs as a whole, like as a team, they always seem to find a way and play their brand of basketball and get to the playoffs each year. I just don't feel it for them this year. I don't think that as a team, their their offense and what they bring right now is keeping up with the teams like the Warriors and the Rockets who are just playing at a completely different level to me. Yeah. You give them the eye test, watching those games, I just don't, I don't see it for the Spurs. And for an organization like that, you, you don't want to see them I, it's not like I think they're gonna like fall out of the playoffs or mm, anything. But you're just I, concerned. I it's about concern. I'm just concerned. Yeah. yeah, I'm just concerned. Like it's a little sus over there. I think they need to <laughs> figure some things out because yeah. I don't. I don't have faith that they're they're gonna come Yo, out of you, the West. Listen, man, you on to something. The Spurs are definitely sus. I definitely agree <laughs> with you. The Spurs are definitely a little sus because they are the unknown right now in the Western Conference to me. Out of the top five seeds, they're the unknown right now because we haven't seen Kawhi as much. Mm-hmm. And he barely played this year. And they're clinging on to that third seed, playing with a bunch of young players. And the system has been helping them out. But the Oklahoma City Thunder is coming. Second half they of the are. season, they are coming. And the Minnesota Timberwolves as well are coming. And they're also playing well. And the Spurs, I do believe Oklahoma City will catch up to them and get that third seed. I think so, too. This is how I feel the top five will shake out. To me, only the top five in the West matters. Number one, I do believe the Rockets will actually hold on to that number one seed just because of their hunger. And that's their main goal this season is to get Mm -hmm. that home court advantage, number one. Um, Golden State will be number two. Only because they, to me, still have that confidence that they don't need home court advantage. So they wouldn't go as hard as the Rockets are. So I believe they'll be number two. Oklahoma City, I believe, will get that number three spot. Because I think Russ is going to take his game to another level. Paul George, my man, has been playing lights out. So I think they'll take number three. And the Spurs, I believe, will get number four. And the T-Wolves are number five. So that's how I see the top five shaking out. But I agree with you. The Spurs are definitely sus right now. They don't have enough to compete in the West they, to me to win the West they don't not to me either not at all not at all not at all so that was a great chart so me I had Boston and you had the Spurs two very similar teams if you notice very yeah similar. it's similar in, both in, in system. a couple they're ways. both system teams yes so I agree that's gonna be interesting going forward and seeing how that plays down the second half so I know everybody's gonna interest everyone is gonna be interested and the playoffs this year is gonna be sticky not gonna lie Gonna be sticky. <laughs> gonna be very sticky. So uh, I kind of, yeah. I kind of want to fast forward and get to it already. Honestly, I, at this yeah. point in the season, I start to get a little, 
little restless, but yeah, those nice marquee matchups, <laughs> you know, they keep us entertained until we get there. They do. They do. I love to see those Thunder Warriors games, which we have coming up, I think, next week, I believe, Saturday. Oh. Uh, the next Saturday night game. So that's going to be another nice dandy right there. Number yes. Uh, so, of course, the family know what time it is. Time for the crossover segment. Not a game. Not a game. Not a game. Ah, so the crossover segment for my new practice. listeners. Crossover segment. I'll be throwing out player comparisons from different eras. My girl, Christine Beam, three E's. <laughs> acts as a GM, and she tells me who she would take out of the two in their prime. So, Christine, first up for you this week, are you taking a prime... Jamal Crawford or a prime Manu Ginobili? Let me give you the career stats. Two of the greatest six men of all time. Let me give you the career stats. Jay Crawford, 15 points per game, two rebounds, three assists, 41% from the floor, three-time six-man of the year. Ginobili, 13 points per game, three rebounds, three assists, one steal, 44% from the floor, four-time champ, one-time six-man of the year. Three E's. You taking Jay Crawford or you taking Ginobili? Both Ooh, on the table. I'm, I'm going to go with Ginobili on this one. Oh, Ginobili. Tell me why. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm going to go with the champ. He's a four-time champ. I think his clutchness can be seen throughout his career. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Ginobili. Mmm, going with Manu. Okay, I'm going to disagree with you there. And I'm going Jamal Crawford. If I have both of those boys on the table, you can't go wrong either one. Let's get that out on the table. You can't go wrong either one. They're both great. Two of the best six I men would, of I all time. I would say so. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Two of the best six men of all time. But to me, Jay Crawford is one of those dudes that's going to get you a bucket at all times, at any time on the court. And if I'm a GM and... The, if I want to make up the ideal six man, it's Jamal Crawford. Great mm. handles, instant offense, and come off the bench like Lou Will is doing right now, averaging 20-something for the Clippers. Jamal yeah. Crawford can come off the bench and give you 50. And that's what I need from my six man. It needs to be a combo guard, can either play the shooting guard or the point guard position. And Jay Crawford can do both. Ginobili, I would say, is definitely a better defender than Jamal Crawford. So he- I would agree with you there. He's, he's a better defender, and I think Much better. he also makes the smart basketball play. Yes. Like, he'll be Agreed. good for a quick layup to get and get fouled on the way up there. And he, you know, that extra point. He makes a smart play, which is why I, I gave him the edge on that one. I agree. I agree. He, he, he's a much smarter player. He's a much more cerebral player, I would give, than Jamal Crawford. And you, like I said, you can't go wrong either one. That's the beauty of the crossover segment here. You can't go wrong. That's, they're so hard. You got to make them <laughs> easier That's a tough us. Decision. I mean, J- uh, Ginobili is a bad boy. Not gonna lie. Mm. He's a uh, affected he, he, the Euro he's from like the fountain of youth. Like, yeah. think about this. Like, how how long his career has been. Like, I gotta give it up. He's to forty him. right now, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, Jamal Ooh, Crawford yeah. as well too, though. The, Jamal Crawford. That's they true. do call him Benjamin Button now. <laughs> <laughs> they do. Well, I think he's know, thirty-eight. Yeah. Black don't crack. So it, that's, that's, that's true. Also up there. That is true. Thank you. <laughs> That is true because uh, Ginobili's moonroof has been peaking for a long time. His moonroof has been gone for many moons. About a decade, Ginobili. Come on home, my brother. Come on home. (laughs) He's getting that LeBron treatment right now. Come on home. (laughs) Oh, my God. Poor LeBron. He fixed his hairline just to have the middle start to go. Like, Uh, damn. Terrible. 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 That moonroof has been peaking. It's been poking out for a long time. (laughs) So bad. Exactly. So next up. Are you taking a prime KG Kevin Garnett or a prime Dirk Nowitzki? Two of the best power forwards of all time. Let me give you the career stats. KG, 18 points per game, 10 rebounds, 3 assists, 1 steal, 1 block, 50% from the floor, 1-time champ, 1-time MVP, 15-time All-Star, 4-time All-NBA First Team, 9-time All-Defense. Dirk. 21 points per game, 7 rebounds, 7.8, so I'll give him that, 7.8, whatever. 2 assists, 1 block, 47% from the floor, 1-time champ, 1-time finals MVP, 1-time regular season MVP, 13-time All-Star, 
also four-time All-NBA first team. Three E's, you taking KG or Dirk? Both on the table. Damn, if I'm a GM... Mm-hmm. Ooh. It's a tough one, too, this, huh? This, yeah, this one is really tough. <laughs> they both bring different skill sets to the table. They do, but mm-hmm. I'm trying to think who I can build my team around, mm-hmm. who's going to give me the most every night and inspire other players on the team mm-hmm. to hustle. Thinking, you thinking. I'm thinking, I'm thinking. <laughs> you know, I... <sighs> There's no wrong answer. I know there's no wrong answer, but I gotta I gotta give a good one True. and a good reason. I'm gonna go with you know I'm not gonna take the safe choice. I'm gonna go with KG on mm. this one because I was gonna say with Dirk, you know we've seen people build a franchise around him, and as a GM with everything that he brings scoring wise, I was tempted to go with him, but I'm gonna go with KG because his 50 percent from the floor. How many times has he been an all-star? Like, I feel like 15. that's the person that you... 15. That's the person that I want on my team. Mm, okay, Dirk was not too far off. He had 13. 13 to 15. True. But I'm going to agree with you. I'm going Ooh. AG as well. I mean, like I said before, you can't go wrong either one. KG. Um, Dirk, I would say, was a better scorer because he can stretch out to the three-point line. Only for that reason, but KG was a monster. KG was a dog, a phenom straight out of high school. He's been a leader his whole career. Mm -hmm. The first few years of of Dirk's career... It was he did have the soft label because he was a European player, and a couple, a lot of people weren't believing him as much. It did take him a while to get that first title, as did KG. He didn't get it until he teamed up with Paul Pierce and Ray Allen and those boys on the Boston Celtics. But to me, KG perfected the power forward position, yes. and he revolutionized the power forward position. To yeah, me, it created a new mold for a, it. A new mold for it. He can. He gave you everything. He had a post mm-hmm. game. He was a great defender. He was a great leader. He was a shot blocker. He had a nice 15, 20-foot jumper. He can take it to the rim. He can take you off the dribble. KG had all the tools you need for the perfect power forward. He was tall. He was long. He was lanky. He had all the tools you need to be a great power forward. So to me, I'm going KG. And you, as you said before, going KG as well. So. Yeah. I think that was a great choice. To me, I think you can make it definitely make a case for Dirk, by the way. Definitely can. You but, can. Yeah, you but definitely go ahead. I think we made the right choice. We both yes. picked KG. KG to me was a dominant force. And to me, to me, KG is my favorite power forward of all time. And I think he had he's the most talented power forward of all time. Even more talented than Tim Duncan. To me, Tim Duncan had better success than Kevin Garnett, which vaults him That's in that point. top power forward spot. But to me, I always say uh, situation dictates success. And Tim Duncan has always been in a better situation than Kevin Garnett playing mm. with David Robinson, Tony Parker, Mano Ginobili. K- KG didn't have those Hall of Fame teammates until he got to Boston. Yeah, so that's, that's true. So that to me was a difference. So I'm glad we both agreed there on KG. And uh, that's that's how it goes for the crossover. So Christine, you got anything coming up for you? Anything else going on? Right now, I'm just working hard at AfterBuzz. I host the Bachelor Nation after shows every week. And I also, for all you Scandal fans out there, it's the final season. <laughs> yes. I host that show on Thursdays. We have two really great guests coming in from the cast. So if you're interested in that, that's on Thursdays on AfterBuzz TV. And yeah, just making it happen out here in L.A. All right, of course. Oh, we can not follow you on Twitter before we get on out of here. You guys can find me on Twitter at Christine Beam. It's the same as my Instagram handle. Shout out to everybody who's usually in your above the rim thread. I've seen a couple of y'all tweet me and include me in. I appreciate y'all. <laughs> Definitely respond to the episode. Let me know what you guys think. Yes, for sure. And Christine, before we get out of here, I want to thank you. Appreciate you again for joining me. You know you always got a spot up here on above the rim. This is number two. And yes, yeah, I- number Number two in the books. Yes, number two in the books. And shout out to you. Thank you for joining me on the Buzz Room. It's a dope episode. I appreciate you joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I had so much fun, so many laughs, and always a good time on the show. For real. Thank you for having me. Of course. Any problem, you know you always got to see. Let me know whenever you want to get on. It's so good. Uh, Yeah, so make sure you guys go out there and follow me at JustBlaze underscore 513. 
sending your voicemail responses to the episode and all that good stuff and um yeah so that's above the rim episode 46 and we out